The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Me and Ivory live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my piano, keyboard, If you're hearing that music, that can mean only one thing. Ebony and Ivory, you pick your choice of who's who. But you're joined by Nick Ferguson. You can follow me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. And as always, I'm joined by my Batman or my Robin, whichever you choose, Mario Batanza. You can find me at Mario. Hi, Mario. Yes, it's the Mario. Okay, Mario. I, I, I know there's a lot of things we have to get into uh, first and foremost, uh, I have to talk about the whole Stephen A. issue. He was suspended by the Four Letter Network for, you know, what comments he made uh, about the domestic dispute, if you want to call it that, with Ray Rice and Whoopi Goldberg. You know, I love Whoopi. Uh, I love Color Purple. I love everything that she has done, Jumping Jack Flash. But she was on The View supporting Stephen A. Smith and denouncing his uh, suspension. But I- I'll say this. I'll start by saying this, and then you can come sh- in whenever you're ready. But for no reason at all, I don't condone putting your hand on uh, anyone, you know, be it man, be it woman. I, I don't condone it uh, by no stretch of the imagination. Uh, but when I look at this situation, and the first question I, I ask, of course, is, you know, is the league getting a uh, moving too far as far as getting involved with personal issues when it belongs to players? Uh, yes, it was a situation between Ray Rice and his wife. Uh, I, I wish them the best and uh, moving forward. But, you know, what Stephen A said that got him suspended uh, has everyone in the uproar. And, you know, Coming from a family where I've seen my mother physically abused, uh, there's no way you can say, well, you know, hey, woman, be careful what you say because, you know, that may cause you to uh, get some kind of thrashing of some sort. Once again, you know, I watched it as a kid. I kind of went through it myself being in kind of a a really uh, physical uh, relationship that, you know, no one really knows and everyone's pretty much hearing on the show with uh, a previous girlfriend, I will not call her name, but even at those times when she was physically abusive, I took the high road and I didn't retaliate. And I think moving forward, there's a lot of players, a lot of men out there, a lot of women to, to uh, speak on that, uh, who can learn from Ray Rice situations and learn, hey, listen, no matter what the situation is, keep your hands to yourself 
and you avoid this. Now, let me hear your, your take on it. You know, I mean, there's so much to be said about this whole situation, Nick. First and foremost, I don't like Stephen A. Smith. I feel like first take with he and Skip Bayless is the Dane Cook of sports talk, man. There, it's just like loud, abrasive noises and a lot of movement. And people just tune in because they want to think, oh, what are they going to say next? I don't think they honestly believe half of the crap that comes out of their mouths, Nick. Now, let me just I just wanted to preface what I'm about to say by starting with that. Stephen A. Smith comes out, and if you listen to the audio, he tries to preface it. And the reason he does this is because he knows that he's going to say something stupid. He's going to share an unpopular opinion. Now, obviously, we have freedom of speech. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. But that doesn't mean you're exempt from everything that you say being stupid. Right. Now, when he started talking, you know, he started getting all fired up. And this is something about Stephen A. Smith, Nick. You know, he tries to appear as a well-read, well-educated individual, which if you've ever seen their show, you know he is most certainly not that. Uh, he's simply a puppet. Uh, but that's another discussion for another day. He prefaces it by saying he was raised by four women and there was no excuse for a man to put his hands on a, on, on a woman, you know, and if someone did that to one of the women in my family, you know, then I would have to remind myself I work for the worldwide leader and, you know, they, they might get a visit from my boys. So he starts getting a little bit feisty and fired up because he starts, you know, he starts letting the, the ghetto in him come out, Nick. So it's like, we, we're not really sure how to take you. Obviously, what he said was stupid. Everybody knows that. You know, people that disagree, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. What I don't like about this, Nick, is now people like Oprah, who, like you said, I, I have the utmost respect for, why does she feel the need to get involved? There's no reason oh, to continuously bring this up. He got suspended, even though ESPN never actually said the word suspended. Like, let's be adults and at least call it what it is. Okay? He got suspended. That's it. He's not going to be on the four-letter network for the next week. Just leave it at that. Okay? There's, there's no reason that Oprah needs to try and come out and defend what he is saying and, like, and draw this out any more than it needs to be. Well, let me correct you for just a second. It, it wasn't uh, Oprah. It, it was uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. I'm sorry, you're Whoopi, right. Whoopi, Whoopi, not Oprah. Yeah, yeah, but but Whoopi has come out before uh, during the Jay Z Solange uh, situation in the elevator and, and said that you know if a woman or someone hits another person, that person has the opportunity to retaliate and, and no one should be upset when they so choose to. Uh, once again, I, I go back to what I was saying previously. It, it, it boils down to the fact of what my mom taught me. You keep your hands to yourself. Yes. Man or woman. I tell my son when he goes to school and sometimes he talks about the fact that when they're playing on the playground, uh, a kid could be a little aggressive and might push him. And I say, listen, there's a kind of a three-step program here we deal with. First, you tell the kid to stop. Then you tell the teacher and have the teacher try to handle it. Then after that, you tell me, and then now we sit down with that child and that child's parent, and we try to hash this thing out. But, you know, once you decide to go to fisticuff as a way to solving your issues, that would be your decisive way of, of dealing with so many things from that point, you know, both on, on and off the field. So this is not just a Ray Rice NFL type issue. This is an everyone issue. And I say all to the listeners right now, you know, if you find yourself at a point 
where you are very upset, what you need to do, take a chill pill, take a deep breath, and then just go and handle the situation. One thing that worked well for me, and I talked previously uh, earlier about the situation with a, a prior girlfriend where she was really physical with me. You know, I took my breath. And I realized what was important, you know, if, if I were to put my hands on her as a woman, then that everyone's going to look at me as a player. And that was prime news. So, you know, keep your hands to yourself. Uh, but what I want to do, I, I want to uh, bring in for a, a moment uh, someone who's played the game. And his story is a very inspirational story. You, you got to hear it. Uh, uh, George Vizier. Uh, played with the 49ers for a while. And to give you a little bit of, about him before I bring him in, he, he taught algebra to gang members. He conducted endangered wildlife surveys. And Mario, you, you'll like this one. He led bow hunts in your beloved uh, uh, Colorado. So, George, welcome to the program, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, this, the, for, first and foremost, for those who are not familiar with, with your story, uh, briefly uh, tell us what happened with you as a member of the Super Bowl winning champions 49ers. Uh, real quickly, um, uh, early in the 81 Super Bowl season, uh, I had developed hydrocephalus, water on the brain. Um, I had a number of concussions over the years, but, you know, as we all did, we just played through them. So I developed hydrocephalus. I undergo uh, emergency VP shunt brain surgery. They drilled a hole in my skull, installed a pump, and ran a pump, uh, a tube down to my abdomen, drained spinal fluid, and that's permanent. And then uh, I, went, I came back. I was told I could still play. And then uh, four months after Super Bowl, my shunt failed. I had two more brain surgeries, 10 hours apart. I was given last rites at age 23, and that started my incredible nine brain surgery journey I'm on now. So that's kind of a quick story. That, that, that's, that's fascinating and, and baffling at the same time because you, you, you said, okay, well, here, here they put this split in your head that now has a drain this uh, spinal fluid. And then at age 23, they would just kind of say, okay, well, that's it, George. You might as well put your affairs in order. Uh, talk about the injury that that led to all of that well you know like most of us i started playing at a very young age i i started playing um when i was 11 years old i played on the very first peewee pop warner team stockton california ever had the west stockton bear cubs and you'll love this 29 kids on the team and three of us went on and signed nfl contracts in 1980 and our safety was a kid by the name of Vaughn Hayes. He went on to a multi-year Major League Baseball All-Star career. So uh, that's quite a group. Off with, well, with a great team. By my third year, Pop Warner, I suffered probably my worst concussion ever. Uh, knocked myself unconscious in, in a worthless bull in the ring drill and was hospitalized. And then um, had you know a number of concussions over the years through high school and college, but never really missed any time on them. Never missed a play mm -hmm. line, really. And then um, my rookie year with the Niners, um, first play I'm in against Dallas uh, early in the season. I get ear hold on a Dallas tight end trap, uh, major concussion. Uh, my memory doesn't return until later in the week when the trainers and doctors laughingly told me I went through over 20 smelling salts during the game just to keep me on the field. I guess 
every time I came out, they'd give me two or three to clear my head, and I'd go back in. And then um, several months later, you know, in, in preseason camp the following year is when I developed hydrocephalus. I uh, wish they misdiagnosed as high blood pressure for two and a half weeks while my brain was hemorrhaging. They Jeez. had me on high blood pressure pills, and I finally had uh, focal point paralysis of my right arm. My hearing had gone, and my eyesight was going, and I had paralysis of my right arm when they finally diagnosed it as a brain hemorrhage. And, uh, <laughs> and, they, and they, the funny part is they, they diagnosed me in the hospital, and the team doc scribbles on a notepad and hands it to me and tells me to go to lay down drive down to Stanford that afternoon and see this doctor. They wanted you to drive in that condition? Yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, it must be a minor brain brain hemorrhage. So I went back to my apartment, drove down to Stanford, which was, if I remember correctly, it was only about 20 or 30 minutes from Redwood City where our headquarters were. And I see this neurologist, and he takes one look at me. He wants to do a, 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 a CAT scan, a brain scan, but he couldn't get me in for another couple hours. Well, my symptoms were such that every morning for weeks I'd wake up with a headache, and uh, the headache would get worse till evenings. I would get a ball of light in front of each eye. My hearing would come and go with the beat of my heart, and I'd have projectile vomiting. And I, later on, I come to find that these are all signs of intracranial pressure. So it was late in the afternoon, and I was getting close to my, my puking time, and I told the doc, I said, well, I'll come back in two or three hours. You know, I'm, I'm feeling a little punky. And he goes, you can't drive like this. And I said, I've been driving like this for weeks. And so he argues with me and convinces me to, to, to hang out in the hospital room. A few hours later, they take me and do a brain scan and then rush me and do emergency brain surgery the next morning. So, so, sudden, so George, in the, midst, in the midst of all of this that you, you, you're going through, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, I mean, the, the impact, that that something like this could potentially have on your family. I mean, you're going through this physically. Uh, what's happening with you, with with your wife at at the same time? Well, you know, I never even got married till I was 35 or 36 for the first time. And, and I'll tell you what's happening to it now. We're, we're after nine, almost 19 years, we're going through a divorce right now. This whole thing with the head injury has just been too much for. Her. I mean, we lost our home wow. two and a half years ago. I had, a, I had an environmental consulting business. I'll back up a little bit. Uh, I had to, those last, the two brain surgeries I had um, four months after the Super Bowl, I was given last rites, and then I was also given hospital bills, and I fought the 49ers work comp for years. I had to sue for workman's comp, won my case, went back to school in 86 to finish my biology degree. In one nine-month period, in 86 and 87, I had five more brain surgeries, several grand mal seizures, you know, while I was taking, you know, four semesters of chemistry, two of physics. So it took me five more years to graduate. I was 32, and then I've, I've always fought through the, the memory things. But in 2003, mm-hmm. I started my own environmental consulting business. And then, um, you know, things started imploding, and I would forget to bill and, and do job. I mean, it just got to where I just, everything fell apart on me. I lost my business in 09, and then we lost the house in 2012, and um, my wife and two younger kids have been living with their mom the last two and a half years, and Christy just bought a house uh, just a couple weeks ago, and um, we're, go- we're going through a divorce right now, um, and I'm still trying to get back on my feet for the hundredth time. Um, 
it's been a nightmare. I, I tell people traumatic brain injuries are like throwing a rock in a pond. I mean, the ripple effect to the number of people impacted is huge. Um, I mean, it, it's been a nightmare for my family. Wow, that, that is a, a, a tough thing to, to hear. And once again, I'm glad that you, you know, joining the program to enlighten people uh, about your story and let them know what you're going through. But we're going to get into it after the break and have an opportunity to talk to the individuals and hear your story on how you are trying to offset some of the injuries that you're now dealing with after the game. Before we go to the break, let me give you a, a quick list uh, of some of the things that uh, uh, George is dealing with. And if you just joined, we're joined by George. This is your former 49ers and Super Bowl winning champ. Uh, here are some of his, 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 his situations he's dealing with. Uh, a damaged knee. And like he said, he can barely move his right arm. He talked about water on the brain and kidney stones. So after we come back after the break, we're going to get a little more insight from George on how he is trying to handle this situation, but more importantly, trying to educate those who out there are playing or thinking about playing a contact sport, uh, not just football, uh, and, and we're not trying to be uh, an anti-football uh, uh, show on this particular show, but just we want to educate you as far as what you need to be aware of, what you need to look for, but more importantly, uh, how you can make sure if you sustain a concussion, understand the symptoms and what to look for. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Don't change that dial. You got to hear the rest of this story. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to 
Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. We're going to pick up where we left off. We're talking to George Fisher, uh, six-round draft foot by the New York Jets and went on to play with the San Francisco 49ers playing a Super Bowl ring. Uh, George, quickly go back into the story that you, you were just telling before we came back from break about the fact that being in a hospital and having two of your roommates come and be the only individuals to come and see you. Hey, real quick, uh, my name's pronounced Fizger, just for reference, so not a big deal. Yeah, but so after my, well, my first brain surgery, I'm in Stanford for 14 days, and uh, I roomed with two guys on the team, and, and, and they come in to see me, and, and they're telling me that, uh, you know, uh, Walsh, our head coach, and John McVeigh, our general manager, told the team that I had a spinal test done, and uh, I grew and I was in Stockton recovering at my parents' house. <clears throat> well, I grew up in Stockton, which is only a couple hours from San Francisco. So I'm going, what you know, what's this all about? And then uh, before I even get out, they cut Terry um, that week. And the day, literally, I walk back to the get back to the apartment. Um, Scott Stout, my other roommate, he's he's heading off to New Orleans. And they were the only guys that really even knew what was going on. And so right. I'm back working out, you know, thinking I'm still playing. They told me they were going to have a special made helmet to protect my shunt so I could keep playing. So, you know, I, I was all in. And so uh, I'm working out the whole rest of the season. Of course, we're on a roll. You know, that was our first Super Bowl season. So no one wanted anything to rock the boat. But I'm feeling weird because nothing was ever said. I mean, I had a knee surgery earlier in the season, and I wasn't any big name, but that was in the paper. And here I have brain surgery, and, and nothing's being said. So I'm in the weight room working out one day, and, and McVeigh, our general manager, brings some business folks through, introducing them. And, you know, it's, it's Joe Montana, our quarterback, and Ronnie Lott, our defensive back. And this is George Visgren, one of our defensive linemen. He's on injury reserve. He had two knee operations. And this woman asked me how I had two. And I said, no, ma'am, I had knee surgery, had a brain surgery. And I tell you what, our general manager looks me right in the eye with, with a look like, keep your mouth shut, you're gone. He says, no brain surgery, you had two knee operations. Wow. And, and I'm going, what the hell? So when I thought it was in my head, you know, well, what a stupid thing to say, but, but this is right toward the end of the season, you know. And so now we're, we're, we're in the playoffs, and I'm thinking, man, I'm headed for a fall, but I don't even know what I'm headed for. So right. literally, the day we're leaving for the Super Bowl, now, I was on injury reserve, so I, went, I didn't go the full two weeks, but I don't know, we were back there for about six days. And, uh, and we got to take two guests. So I, had my older, I had my dad and one of my older brothers going back with me. And I'm talking to my other brother, and I said, man, I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm headed for, but I think I'm headed for a fall. I, I would feel better if this got out in public. So my brother calls a bunch of newspapers, local papers, and just said, hey, I met this 49er in the hospital. He had brain surgery. I've never heard anything about him. Well, of course, they're all, they're all jumping on it, you know, all the local papers. And so my brother Bob calls me back. He said, hey, when you get to Detroit, he said, they're going to be all over you. Well, I'm there six days. In order for them, anyone to talk to me, they had to go through the front desk to find out where I'm at. Now, you know, no one, no one does an interview on me. And then 
And in that first nine months after my brain surgery, my first one was in September. So by that May, I'm arrested three different times. And I told the doctor something was was going crazy. I'd never been arrested in my life, never been in trouble. I'd go and have a couple beers. And next thing I know, I'm standing in jail hours later with no memory how I got there. Or I'd get up in the morning to go to practice. My truck would, wouldn't be in front of my apartment, and I would have no idea where I left it. So I go back and see the first neurosurgeon that worked on me. I told him all my symptoms. They do a brain scan. He says, this isn't from my surgery. And he does a brain scan. And he says, you look fine. And I was literally leaving the next day for Mexico to go fishing with my brother and his wife. And um, I was just, we were going to go down there for a few days and just get in a little cabin. He goes, yeah, no problem. Go ahead and leave the country. And I said, what about drinking? No problem. So we fly down to Cabo. The first night we have dinner, I have one margarita at dinner. I start getting a pounding headache. Uh, I go back to the room. They stay out for a couple hours. They come back. I'm going into a freaking coma. Takes them a day to get me home. Sure. Airlines wouldn't let me fly. My brother Mel brings me to Sacramento. The whole time he's talking to our other brother who's talking to doctors, who's you know relaying information. You know, your brother's going to die. We, they need to get him home. So they get me home. This new neurosurgeon operates on me. Ten hours later, that shunt goes out. I'm back in a coma. They rush me back into a third brain surgery, give me last rites. I'm 23 years old, right? I don't remember right. anything for the next year. My first memory uh, are of bills for the two brain surgeries. So I'd write on it. And even with my memory, I still remember the 49ers address. I'd write on it, please build San Francisco 49ers, 7-Eleven, Nevada Street, Redwood City. Well, I'd get it back from the night. So, Joey, tell me. So late. Go ahead. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. So, I'd get the bills back from the Niners a week or so later, and they just circle the total and write, you owe this amount. So, I had creditors on me for years. I had to sue. You know, it was just, it was a nightmare. Um, my family never knew what was, I, I would disappear for, I'd just up and leave and take off on a, on a bow hunt to Oregon for a week and not tell anybody. You know, and uh, I'd show up for work. I was working for my older brother, and he'd watch me framing walls upside down or backwards, and no one could say anything to me. I would, I would get very violent, you know. Um, uh, the whole family was just, you know, they didn't know what to do with me. Um, the doctor so tell me, told tell me my this, family tell because me this, George. Go ahead. So, so tell me this, George. Tell me this, George. You know, when I look at your story, and, and I, I did a little research, and you know, looking at you know your brain and what it looks like, uh, one physician said that it was low blood flow in your frontal lobe. Uh, you have this emergency brain kit that you you now have to have for the remaining of your life. Uh, talk about you know workman's compensation and how maybe the retired players association uh, is helping you with this issue. Or, or or not? I mean, it, delve into that for a little, a little bit for me. You know, the the, the, the NFLPA has never done a, anything for me. During the season, during the 81 season, before I even knew what I was headed for, I, I went to the player Association and explained that, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I need to talk to someone legally. They set me up with a law firm in the Bay Area who supposedly were going to look into – potential malpractice suits, file my work comp claim. They let all my statute of limitations run out. I was back on my, you know, it was, it was crazy. I fought and scratched 
Um, I, I, and to this day, I've had now I've had nine brain surgeries, had two more knee surgeries repairing what they botched during that 81 season. I had a Gore-Tex ACL transplant done on my left knee. You know, I've had grand mal seizures for 33 years, and I still qualify for zero NFL benefits. So all, how, how is that the case, though? Because I'm not vested. You need oh. to play four years to be vested in the NFL, and, and the latest stats I saw, the average life expectancy in the NFL was 3.2 years. Now, it may be different now, but, I mean, and, and I mean, it, it, for me, I, I still don't qualify for anything. So how are you paying for all these, all these surgeries? Well, because luckily, and I thank God, and I truly thank God, that when I, I, I sued for workman's comp, and I guess I was one of the very first NFL players to ever actually win a work comp claim. So I won my claim back in 84 or 86, and, then, uh, and as soon as I won it, I didn't take any money. They, they wanted to pay me 35000 and have me go away. And again, I thank God that I had the foresight to, to not take their money. And instead, I told them, I said, I want what any injured employee has earned. I want my past medical paid for. I want my future medical left open. And I wanted to use vocational rehab and go back to school and complete my degree. Because if you're injured on the job and you can't continue doing your job, no matter what it is, your employer is obliged by law to retrain you in a field of work where you can make a comparable amount of money. Now, of course, we were, we were classified as top wages, but I didn't even ask for that. I said, just let me get my degree and I'll take care of myself. Right. So when I went back to school in 86, like I said, in 86 and 87, I had you know, five more brain surgeries in a nine-month period. I mean, it took me five more years just to graduate. I, with, with virtually no short-term memory, I developed dyslexia, from my surgeries, it was a nightmare, you know. But um, I have had absolutely no help at all from the player association. Not one penny, not one finger have they ever helped me with. So how you are dealing with some of these uh, debilitating injuries you have now? I mean, how are you finding any kind of peace, if at all? How are you able to do that? You know, I, I worked and worked and worked despite no memory, my last year in business, you know, uh, and I had my own environmental consulting business, and, and my wife would be on me where, you know, no money's coming in, and I'd get pissed off at her. You don't understand. So she finally called her friends in, and they went through my books, and they found $55,000 of work that I had either billed and, and, and never collected or just forgot to bill. Mm. So the memory thing, like I said, we lost the house, and I lost my business, and, and the doctors have been on me for years to file for Social Security. And I kept saying, I'm not disabled. You know, veterans with no arms are disabled. And so I finally went in, and I mean, I have major degenerative arthritis on my left knee because the first surgery they did, they took all the cartilage out. So I've been bone on bone for 30-something years. I have two fractured vertebrae in my neck from my playing days. I fractured my uh, a, a sacral vertebrae when I was playing my rookie year. I played on that. Um, I'm scheduled for major reconstructive surgery. I was scheduled in May on my right shoulder. Um, it's bothered me for years, and uh, they did an MRI, and I have three torn tendons, torn rotator cuff, a bone chip, and a bone spur, and they wanted to do surgery in May, but they were going to have to put me in this big brace that came off my arm where my arm sticks out at 90 degrees, and I was going to be in that for six weeks where I couldn't drive, 
And I said, guys, I, I can't not drive for six weeks. I mean, I, I'm living on my own now. You know, I was I had to move to San Fran- uh, Southern California last August away from my family, and I'm living down there to get treatment at Brain, uh, a, gr- a tremendous nonprofit group that uh, Brain stands for Brain Rehabilitation and Injury Network, and they're located in, in Cypress in Orange County. Um, founded by a, a, a godsend woman, Sue Reeb, who has a brain-damaged daughter, and they, and they started this whole foundation uh, years ago. And so I'm down there getting treatment every day uh, when I do come and just bouncing around, staying at friends' houses. And when I come home on every couple weekends to see my family, I sleep here at the Hyperbaric Oxygen Clinic in Sacramento where I, I get treatment. You know, I sleep on the floor over here. Well, talk about that hyperbaric chamber because I know there, in my years of playing, there are several guys who've used that 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 chamber to kind of heal their their body and speed up recovery. How was that hyperbaric chamber uh, help you with these debilitating injuries? It, it it has been unbelievable. About four years ago, three or four years ago, um, we went down to Dr. Amon's clinic in Southern Cal. And he did a three-day full-blown neurocog evaluation on me. And one of the things he recommended was hyperbaric oxygen treatments. So I started about four years ago, and I've had uh, 239 treatments now over the years. And every 40 treatments, I go back down south and I see Dr. Amon at his clinic for a full eight-hour uh, evaluation. They do a, a microcognitive memory test on me. And my microcognitive memory scores have improved 15.3% since I started. Now, I'm 55 years old, and my memory is improving, you know. And so the hyperbarics have been tremendous for me, and not only for the brain. They, they, they expedite healing on any injury you have. I mean, uh, they, they increase... Um, uh, Boy, I'm drawing a blank here now, doggone, and I apologize. Cause it's no problems. Take your time. Um, I uh, I forgot what I was talking about. I'm sorry. No, no worries. You're talking about the hyperbaric chamber and, and how many times that you have uh, gone down to brain and used that chamber to uh, actually help you in your recovery. Oh, I, well, I use the chambers here in at the Sacramento Hyperbaric Clinic. Um Brain, I'm living at down at Brain in, in Orange County, and I get neurocognitive therapy daily down there. Um, so uh, the hyperbaric treatments have been great for me. They, they extended or saved my life up to now. I know that much. Um, uh, I don't know where I'd be. Well, four years ago, my doctor, when my wife and I went in to see him, before we saw Eamon, my, my primary care told me to turn on my driver's license file for SSI, and get my finances in order. And I looked at him, and I said, what are you telling me? I'm 51 years old. I'm married. I have three kids. I had a business at the time. Well, I was hanging on to it, barely. He said, George, he goes, you have frontal lobe dementia. There's no cure for it. And that's when we, we, we went home, and we immediately called Dr. Amon's clinic because uh, Dr. Amon at the time was doing a big study on NFL players. And he studied, he did the brain studies for a couple years, and Dr. Amen is the first study that ever came out that, that definitively said football at every level causes brain damage. Wow. And uh, we went down there, like I said, for three days, and they gave me just a battery of tests. 
And at the end of it all, we, we sit down with Dr. Amen and Dr. Willemeyer, who, who runs this clinic, and Dr. Kristen Willemeyer and I, we, I still meet with her once a week or once a month now. When I'm down there, I go in to see her for just an update, or we do an hour-long conference call once a month um, and uh, to stay in touch. And at the end of my three days down there, Dr. Amen, he looked at my spec scans, my brain scans, and there's huge holes in the areas that are not functioning. And he just said, George, it's a miracle you can even function with the amount of brain damage you have. And so he started me on, like I said, this recovery program. I take um, mega doses of, uh, and at one time I was on four different dementia medicines uh, just a few years ago, four at once. And I was on Lexapro or or Lamectal for grand mal seizures. And due to the brain injury, a lot of us, you have inflammation in your brain, you can't sleep. And I'd gone up to four nights straight unable to sleep, so I was on um, Ambien. So I was taking Ambien, four dementia meds. I was on Respiradol, uh, um, Lamectol, Aricep, uh, um, Namenda, um, uh, just, a, just a pile of crap. And since I started all my treatments, the Omegas and the Hyperbarics, I've quit every one of my dementia meds. All I take are my, um, my anti-seizure meds. And I still have to take some sleeping pills on occasion to get to sleep, but I take melatonin to help me sleep. Um, I'm really learning. I've got a sleep therapist that I work with now, um, Victoria Florentine of Respiratory, uh, uh, Select Respiratory Services. She's been working with me for the last year or so. And, in fact, I now have her on our uh, the visitor group advisory panel. Um, you know, we have the whole brain injury consulting company now the last couple of years, and this is what we do. I work with people and families and help them try to avoid the hell my family's been through, you know. So, again, I probably got off track on what you asked me about, but... um, uh, No, that's perfectly fine, George. You give, you, you're giving the, the listeners exactly what they, they need to hear. Uh, Ten seconds before we get out of here, what would you like for individuals to gain from your situation moving forward and what should they look out for for any young kids who are planning on playing any contact sports? Uh, You know, I've always wanted people to learn from me. I'm a biologist and a scientist. So, one, if your kids are playing a contact sport, make sure who's ever coaching them or teaching them or they're teaching them right. You know, uh, none of these Vince Lombardi gladiator coaches having the kids bang heads. You know what I mean? Teach them right techniques. And, and be cognizant of what's going on with your with your kids, and and, and have the kids learn to, to watch out for themselves and each other. You know, um, uh, we just need to be more aware of and get rid of this culture of, of just suck it up and, and play through these injuries. Uh, they're not they're not a joke. They're life changing injuries. If you want to find out more about George Visger, you can go at www.thevisgergroup.org. And you can follow him also at visgergeorge at gmail.com. If you want to send him any information, I encourage you to look on his site. It's really informative. If you have any kids that are playing any contact sports, this is the site that you need to actually pay uh, attention to. And if you want to donate to uh, George's cause, uh, there's a there's a, a link on his site where you can do just that. George, thank you for joining the program, and I look forward to maybe working with you sometime in the future and going down to brain and seeing exactly how everything uh, works there. 
Hey, you know, I would love to have you down there. And again, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, and I love what you're doing, too. This is great information people need to know. Thank you, George. Coming up after the break, we'll talk a little bit of NBA basketball, uh, OKC Thunder. And we'll talk a little bit about the NFC East and the Philadelphia Eagles. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. That's right, it's the Real Talk segment, and everything is ridiculous because it is Thursday, Mario, and that is Real Talk. Now, we're going to bring in Josh Reising, and, and Josh uh, uh, writes, uh, you can find him at Cover 2, you can also find him at Josh underscore Reasoning and Josh Rice for Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to ask him about Kevin Durant, the possibility of, you know, Durantula going somewhere else, maybe in 2015, 2016. We'll touch bases and talk to him about the Philadelphia Eagles. So, fellas, real talk. I'm going to kick it off right away. This week, Arizona Cardinals awarded Patrick Peterson with the five-year extension worth $45 million. 48, excuse me, million guaranteed, which overshadows Seattle Seahawks' Richard Sherman. But Peterson wasn't just happy with his new deal. He took to Twitter to celebrate sending a tweet, you mad bro, with a couple of crying faces following. And Richard Sherman, yes, Richard Sherman replied, but the only way Richard Sherman could reply is with a photograph 
of his Super Bowl ring and said, I quote, can't be mad, bruh. <laughs> laughing, laughing my, you know what, off, end quote. I call it checkmate. Real talk, Josh, we'll start with you first. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, you know what? Uh, Sherman's got the hardware to talk all he wants. He's absolutely right. He has no reason to be mad. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Peterson is still looking for his, but um, the the Cardinals actually believe that he's worth every penny uh, that they paid him—the seven million or seventy million and forty-eight guaranteed. He's actually shown it on the field, though. It's unfortunate though that he plays for a team that's just not quite as talented as the Seahawks. Unfortunately, that they were the only team to actually go up to Seattle and, and win. Um, they do have something in Arizona, and I think that his time will come eventually. Uh, but he, as we also know, though, too, about Peterson, he's one corner that can play all over the field. He doesn't play just on the one side that everyone likes to knock on with uh, Richard Sherman. And we also know with Peterson, he doesn't just play the one position. We've also seen him play as a returner and also sometimes on offense. So he's shown his versatility, and he's worth every penny. Mario, hey. what's your take? Real talk. Real talk, man. I'm just sick and tired of all this this BS that you get from Patrick Peterson, from Richard Sherman. It's like, yeah, okay, Richard, I understand you, you think you're the best corner in the game, and I'm not going to take that away from him. He's probably top five. I wouldn't say he's the best corner in the game. Your team won a Super Bowl, and it just seems like he's coasting on that. And to me, when a player is using his Super Bowl ring like he did for his own personal gains, that's when it starts getting a little bit out of control. There are 52 other men on that roster that, you know, had as much to do, if not more to do, with that ring as you did, Richard. So don't make it seem like that was a personal accomplishment. Yeah, it's fantastic. You got your Super Bowl ring. You're a fantastic corner. And I know Patrick Peterson started it. It's like, why can't these two just shut up and play the game? Why can't they be more like a Darrell Revis? Revis is actually the best corner in the game, and he never needs to tell anybody. Oh, and there's this kid in Denver named Chris Harris. Gave up one touchdown all last season, fewer yards than Richard Sherman. I'm not saying he's better. I'm just saying. Real talk. Oh, I got 100% agree with you there. I, I, I think that Sherman, yes, the kid's got talent, but I also think that he's also a product of the entire defense. I mean, he's not going to have the ability to be – a gambler that he is in the secondary without having the help that he gets from the front seven, putting the pressure they do on the offensive line and the quarterback. I mean, well, and, he, and he doesn't, he doesn't cover the best. He doesn't cover the best wide receiver on their team. And he's like, yeah. Oh, well our defense is so tight, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no man, you wouldn't be good enough. He's not a great man on man cover guy. He's an excellent co- uh, zone guy. And he can go man on man at, you know, temp uh, periodically, I mean, if it's with Eric Decker, but how many plays did he guard Demarius Thomas in the Super Bowl? I don't think he wanted any part of Demarius Thomas. He stays on one side of the field, which is fine, but don't tell people you're the best cover corner in the game when you won't even step up and cover the best receiver on the opposing team. I want well, real to talk. actually call him out and put the numbers in front of his face and see how he responds to that because the numbers don't lie. It's like a picture. It's it, 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 it's right there in front of you. You can't run away from it. And, that, like, as we mentioned, Chris Harris, better corner than uh, Richard Sorens, uh, statistically. We've got we, Revis. I mean, he's an all-around great corner. When he's healthy, he's one of the best. 
And like I said, uh, Peterson, his versatility makes him that much better than uh, Sherman. Not to mention, again, he plays all over the field. Exactly. Real talk, Josh. Once again, something that terrified, I guess, would say Ohio fans, but they have the prodigal son is returning and LeBron James. Could we see Kevin Durant, pretty much the prince of Oklahoma, maybe bolt the city to join with another team because he wants that coveted ring? Could we see that? Real talk. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change what you just said there. You call him the prince of uh, OKC. He's more like the king of OKC. Let's just, let's, let's probably get that clear right now. He, uh, I, I don't know if he's actually gonna stay here in Oklahoma City. I, from what I get, is that he's still, you know, he's understands that he's got a couple years left on his contract and he's not gonna stir anything up, but. I think that it's actually in his mind about trying to win a championship at this point. And I don't know that Oklahoma City really gives him the, the best chance to win right now. Uh, between his contract and uh, Russell Westbrook's, they tie up a lot of the salary cap or the salary they have with the salary cap uh, for the Thunder. And they just don't have the money to go out and get the necessary talent to uh, uh, bring in the, the, the talent. They don't have the money. And they have the chance to amnesty. Perkins, and I think that that's eventually going to happen, but they should have done that a couple years ago, and they could have had a chance to bring in other quality talent to help out. That bench is the reason why they didn't win the uh, championship a couple years ago. Uh, they found some uh, help on the bench last season with Reggie Jackson, but they need more than just that to help get them over the hump. And the only thing that's going to keep them uh, – actually, the only way they're going to get to the championship at this point is if uh, the teams that are ahead of them get bounced by other – talent in the playoffs yeah you're absolutely right I, I i don't see what else there would be there for kevin durant it was different with lebron james simply because that was his hometown that was where he grew up and he didn't tell anybody he was leaving i mean if you think back to the decision part one there were Cavs fans that like knew in their heart of hearts LeBron was going back. So I think oh, Kevin yeah. Durant is going to is going to take that and say, "Okay, I don't want to be in Oklahoma City anymore." And I don't blame him, man. He spent a lot of time there, put him back on the map. You know, they're the second, maybe third best team in the Western Conference, and they're going to make a run. These next 2 years they the, the team will absolutely make a run in the Western Conference. It's all about beating the Spurs at this point, obviously. They might even win a championship. Now that the Miami Heat is starting to dissolve, even though Nick will tell you <laughs> that they are still, you know, uh, the team to beat. So, you know, I, I, I have no problem with Durant wanting to go somewhere else. Spread your wings, young fella. Not everybody can be like Michael and play his whole career somewhere. Oh, that's right. He didn't do it either. Let these guys play where they want to play. Real talk. All right, Josh, real talk. Let's talk about, let's talk about this Oklahoma City uh, hunter, bounty hunters, that is, and the gridiron developmental football league. Real talk, explain to us real quickly what that is. It's a developmental football league that it's not quite like on the same level as, uh, say, like the a uh, AFL and the UFL. These are a bunch of guys who have, it, it, it ranges from uh, playing up in Division One football all the way down to Division Three and NAIA and. There's actually a wide range of levels of um, developmental football. So we've got, it goes from, say, like minor league football, or baseball, excuse me, 
triple-A baseball all the way down to rookie and uh, single-A baseball. Well, the Oklahoma City Bounty Hunters, the level we play on, is equivalent to triple-A uh, baseball. And you, as I mentioned, in the Oklahoma City area, we see we have a lot of talent from within the state of Oklahoma. The OU players have played here. OSU players have come and uh, come through. We've got people from uh, Langston University, which is just up the road from Oklahoma City, that are playing on this team. We've got a lot of guys. Uh, it's just a good place for guys that who are looking to get their name out there, or guys that have had a chance in the NFL and are looking to refine their skills and try and get a chance back into the game. It's a good chance for these guys to uh, play football on the side while they try and continue to uh, make a living uh, on a daily basis. Well, we, we got about 30 seconds. Josh, tell us. I know you cover the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. Real talk, is Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys prone to take over that division? Or can the Eagles soar and rekindle some of that last or late season pixie dust as they had last year? It's got it's the Eagles. It's theirs to lose at this point. I just don't see the Cowboys being able to do it. Their defense is actually going to be the reason why they don't take over the NFC East. And you know what? If Tony Romo, if he can just eliminate his fourth quarter turnovers, that offense has no reason to hang with anybody in the NFL, including the Denver Broncos. I mean, we even saw that last season with that matchup down at uh, Jerry Jones World. Wow, you Mario, what, how Nick, do you like that? I, <laughs> you, you know how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys. No matter what happens, no matter how many players they add, no matter who they lose, they're going to be 8-8. Eight and eight. They're going to be a mediocre football team. Yeah, they, they're going to have to expand the playoffs by like three or four teams in order for the Cowboys to have a chance to actually make the playoffs. You know, an evil Jerry Jones, you know, Mr. Darth Vader over there, it might actually happen. But like you said, it's the Eagles to lose. I'd be surprised if they did, but... Look out for the Washington Redskins. RG3 is over his sophomore slump. They have a ton of offensive weapons. And it's going to be a little bit. It's like uh, Diet Denver Broncos from last year. Their offense is going to score a lot of points, but their defense is going to give up even more. It's going to be shootouts most of the times that they have games. I see them finishing 9-7, and seven, which 10-6, uh, and six, maybe, would be good enough to win that division. Look out for the Redskins. I'm going to say watch All out right, for the uh, Giants. Watch out for the Giants. Speaking of Giants, there is a game that's going to be played on Sunday. It's the Hall of Fame game, Buffalo Bills against the New York football Giants. I love, always love watching uh, these games and watch the Hall of Fame inductee ceremony and seeing, you know, the, the incredible speeches, the emotion from the crowd, the, the family, as they honored some of these guys who have uh, – given us the best years of their life on the gridiron. Josh, thank you for joining us. I want to have you back on the program maybe next week to talk a little more about the Eagles training camp. Mario, as always, it's a pleasure working with you as the other part of Ebony Ivory. You take a choice. i like to thank George Visger once again for joining the program. Don't forget to go to George's website at Visger, George at Gmail, that's V I S G E R. G-E-O-R-G-E at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure entertaining you. And until next week, we are gone.
Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.